This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Ballantine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40K's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Del Warwick as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that Inquisitor Valentine and Atticus were taking full advantage of the Inquisitorial stronghold. They put a researcher onto the clues they'd gathered, re-geared themselves in the armory, and discovered a psyker who shared Valentine's visions. Requisitioning four Inquisitorial stormtroopers, they set off into the hive to find Morgan and Eli. Will they find answers or their own death? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. Pamphlet distributed by the Loyal Retainers. Friends, think not that we have been discarded by those we seek to serve. Think instead that the Emperor in his glory has not yet found fit to call upon us. For when that day comes... They will look to us, the loyal retainers, to be their aid, to strengthen their arms, to make their boots faster. We shall be the ones who lift our superiors to victory. Till then, we need only wait and put doubters to the sword. Sincerely, Donneth Lysander. First among equals, loyal retainers. You are packed into a Inquisition armored sort of transport vehicle, but it is not nearly as nice as the ones we saw in our previous adventure, largely because this one has to make its way around urban centers. So it's a lot more like a SWAT van. Um, so um, Atticus, for you particularly, like your arm pretty much takes up a seat in this thing, um, let alone uh, the rest of you. Uh, so Valentine, um, Atticus, uh, you're in there with some in- in Inquisition uh, stormtroopers. Uh, you're all packed in uh, a little bit like sardines, and you're on your way uh, to try and find uh, the two remaining members um, of the retinue of uh, Inquisitor Kanehurst, uh, who may have a lead for you uh, about a psyker who is part of the retinue that had similar visions to yours, Valentine. Now that you've shared your secret uh, a little bit uh, with your your new... Um, Adept uh, Traseus of Anikoth, uh, you've got a, b- a bit of direction about maybe getting some some answers about this and where to go next as you kind of continue to dig down into exactly what's going on with uh, with your your horrible visions of the the death of of the beloved emperor, beloved definitely still alive emperor. Um, so having uh, requisitioned uh, new gear, having been granted the official title of Inquisitor. Um, you are are headed uh, below the meridian into um, a, a sort of worse sector of the hive um, in order to track down uh, these two people to see if they can give you uh, more information or at least help you, you track this down. Um, so you're currently just still leaving um, uh, the uh, the sort of citadel, um, uh, having uh, left the Grim Garden. 
uh, you're packed into this this small, rather smelly van. Um, you do have um, a, uh, a commander, um, uh, sort of like who's, who's, or I guess a captain of, of this uh, unit. Uh, her name's uh, Matea Kost, uh, Kostkar. Oh, sorry, Kotskar. 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 Da da da. Matea Kotskar. And uh, she's very much um, like a um, no nonsense, um, kind of like low status though. Like she doesn't throw her weight around. Uh, I'm thinking like she's got a bit of like a, a Captain Rex vibe from uh, Clone Wars, where just like she's just really good at getting the job done and like not really there for much else. Um, but uh, also like certainly personable, certainly on side. Uh, but honestly, for both um, Valentine and uh, Atticus, like. Oh, breath of fresh air from the other idiots you've had to deal with um, kind of to this point in your other travels. Like just someone who understands that they are a cog in a machine, that the machine must function and they have a very specific role to do and is more than uh, willing to do it. Um, she's kind of your point person uh, for this. So um, uh, Captain uh, Kotskar is sitting with you. Um, she's briefed her troops. Uh, and they know that the the job is to kind of it's past curfew, so they know it's going to be a bit rough, um, but also theoretically nothing that they can't handle. Um, the nice thing about being in a hive, lots of violence every night, um, sort of spread throughout uh, throughout the city. And uh, that usually means that things aren't too concentrated in any one area, which generally means that getting in and out and doing this kind of operation, though still dangerous, isn't as bad as if there's a full-blown riot. It's not like there's one quarter that's just the bad quarter. Everywhere is kind of the bad quarter, and as a result, the violence is is dissipated and dispersed throughout the the hive. Is there anything you'd be asking of her as you you make your way uh, towards the meridian, which is the dividing line between order and chaos within the hive? Uh, Valentine would be pushing for. Uh, maps of the area. He'd want to know the layout of where we were going, the routes that are planned to come back. Uh, he would play this off as trying to be prepared in a very military sense, but it's 100% him trying to figure out if everyone on board dies and he loses the ride, how does he get back with Atticus? Right, that's fair. So, um, I think because of the the kind of speed at which um, this all went down, um, you kind of have what's in in the vehicle itself. Um, she's able to give you like rough, like I, I think like a city map is an easy thing to just hand you, but unfortunately it is like a folded city map um, and it's a hive. So it's like, it, it's like a mall that's badly designed. There's just so many layers to it that like, in theory, she's like, we're, you know, um, pointing at she says, right, so we're here. We are headed. Uh, the Meridian is here. You must understand. The Meridian is is essentially where the Inquisition has decided to uh, cease policing, only to uh, to save our troops for the more necessary pieces. Beyond that, uh, we uh, the there are patrols from time to time, but generally speaking, uh, once curfew hits, we tend not to go down there too much unless it's for a very specific purpose. Uh, it's just an unnecessary amount of roughness down there for for our troops. Um, in terms of your way back, she kind of points out like three major landmarks. Um, and just kind of says like here in, in Toronto terms, it'd be like, here's the CN tower. You can always figure out where South is. If you can see this, if you can't see it, keep walking till you see it. Um, so there's just a couple like spires and things she can say that will kind of like, um, help you get back, um, and sort of, uh, find your way back, uh, uh to the Citadel, um, from where you're going. Um, she indicates that like the, 
the last known location of these uh the uh the two members of the retinue is um somewhere in a like a a subsector of one of the areas of the hive um she mentions that uh, uh canehurst was known to frequent that area a lot and that um the, from the the quick report she she scanned uh it seems he owned property there which is not unheard of but is a bit strange um which says uh uh, it would seem that the Inquisitor had a, um, I believe uh, the records called it a, a little slice of home, um, uh, an establishment that he owned and seemingly frequented whenever he was here on base. Um, it's called the uh, Claw and Wing, although colloquially, um, and like there's immediately some like chuckling, and she, she kind of like, behind her helmet smirks and says, although uh, the... Uh, the folks here will tell you it's mostly known as the Emperor's Piss if you really want to get uh, a little blasphemous about it. Which, Excuse of course, me. Um, and uh, she, she kind of turns uh, to you and says, uh, but of course we wouldn't want to get blasphemous now, would we? No, we would not. Um, and there's some like general grumbling. <laughs> like they were like, you get the sense that some of the, the troopers were kind of looking at you like you were going to be the cool one. And now they realize you're a narc. Um, and, uh, I am she, the cool one. <laughs> serving the emperor is the coolest thing you can do uh, i yes. really have to point out that like we all have our character names up like so we can all see them <laughs> yeah and uh and tyler's just put colonel atticus viz with colonel in capitals like, all ca- yes. like, <laughs> very, important. very good <laughs> uh so uh Kostkar nods and says uh of course uh colonel Viz. uh so the clan wing then uh, it's a not great establishment, as the the other title might suggest. Um, but uh, it is the the most reliable place that we can theoretically find these two if they're still alive. Um, we we don't tend to keep too close track, as you can imagine, with uh, so many members of the Inquisition coming and going. Uh, the members of the retinue come and go as well, and uh, they're actually the cause of a lot of the trouble that's going on down here. If I'm being completely honest, but nevertheless, this is our best shot for finding them. A quick question about this trouble that you've mentioned. Now, is the problem that they are no longer employed or the problem that they've been left behind? Or what seems to be troubling the people in this fine town? It's a beautiful day for the Emperor. This violence, what a joy for all of us. But uh, why? Um, It's a little of both, Inquisitor. Uh, Retinues often leave uh, less useful members behind, uh, as I'm sure you know. There's often not the need... Uh, for certain people after certain missions have been complete. Certainly some rise through the ranks. Uh, others among us realize that we, we serve a better purpose by simply serving the Inquisition rather than attempting to insert ourselves into it by force. Uh, but for some, the the glory that they once had or the glory they think they can find is, is the real allure. Um, some who have lost their minds uh, with the horrors of duty and combat um, – simply seek more or have become too unreliable uh, to go back into the field. Others have not yet proved their usefulness. Uh, some, frankly, are just kind of shitty at their jobs and are left here. Others find themselves left behind when their Inquisitor leaves, and as is the case with uh, Sharp and Rawls, uh, their Inquisitor dies off-world, and there's simply nowhere else for them to go or anything else for them to do. In terms of the unrest, this has been happening here for centuries, and as a result, there is a long history and a lot of long memories. So yes, partially employment, yes, partially being left behind, mostly that 
many think themselves the heroes of their own story and are in fact bit players at best. Ah, so we're heading towards, uh, there was a fable that was popular in my scholar progenium, the hive of misfit toys. Those have been left behind, no longer serving their purpose. <laughs> well, we have two such toys that have become necessary, and that is why we have seconded your services. I appreciate your efforts here. If you had to guess, based on the files that we have on this Rawls and Sharp, what do you believe their core motivators are? Um, and uh, she... Uh, just kind of like um, nods at you and says, uh, well, sir, um, as I understand it, uh, Sharp was former Navy. Um, I, I will admit there wasn't a lot in the files. They both, how to put this politely, uh, seem rather like footnotes in uh, Inquisitor Kanehurst's uh, long and illustrious career. But uh, Sharp was a, had a very promising naval career, um, was certainly on his way up. Um, his service to the Inquisition was lauded, um, but uh, not so much by the uh, Navy itself, which viewed his act as uh, cowardly and uh, some would even say uh, treacherous, uh, but nevertheless in service of the Inquisition and thus the Emperor himself. So one does what one must. As to Rawls, an interesting case, uh, seems to have popped into existence almost out of nowhere. Um, there's some red flags that are far above my clearance on the file, but uh, seem to have served a rather useful purpose at some point uh, to the Inquisitor. We're not entirely sure why. Um, it was somewhat odd that the Inquisitor uh, pulled in someone with links to... Um, and she kind of like looks left and right uh, in kind of a don't say Voldemort, Voldemort kind of way and says uh, <laughs> links to um, well, uh, cult activity and uh, the great enemy. Uh, given the Inquisitor's interest in Xenos, it was an odd choice. But nevertheless, who am I to question the motives of the Inquisition? Um, but uh, by all accounts, incredibly capable, um, but seemingly a very specific tool for, for a very specific reason, um, and hence her lack of inclusion in the Inquisitor's final expedition. I'm sure they can tell you more themselves, but uh, our records uh, end there. Kanehurst was unfortunately rather notorious for not keeping entirely correct records. A very enthusiastic Inquisitor by all accounts, but uh, not great at paperwork, unfortunately. More eager to get back into the field than he was to document what he'd seen and done. That is a challenge that many of my colleagues struggle with. Atticus, do you have any questions about this mission for the captain? Uh, yes. Uh, speaking as someone who has participated in a sort of unending land war on Vicodin for years and years and years, I don't have much uh, experience with uh, urban warfare. What are the rules of engagement here? This territory we're going into. So uh, glad uh, to hear, with the size of that power fist, that you are familiar with urban con with at least unending war. That seems like you will be very useful in this particular situation. Uh, the good news, sir, is that uh, these are not fully trained military forces by any stretch. They are uh, guerrilla militias, gangs at best. Um, and despite uh, the loyalists following one uh, Darnath Lysander and uh, the redacted following uh, an agent known only as Null, uh, 
they are not always centralized and they don't always report up, if that makes sense. A lot of these groups will will form and skirmish in, in random places throughout the hive, but there's no central authority. Um, both Lysander and Null claim to be the leaders of their individual groups, but the groups are so mixed that it's, uh, well, it's almost impossible uh, for one ideology to unite them, aside from their belief that either they'll be called up into combat or that they've been left behind. But those are very broad ideologies to follow, and thus we see a huge variety of people flocking to them. In terms of the rules of engagement, the curfew is very clear, and the Adeptus Arbites have made very clear what will happen to anyone who breaks curfew. Now, some do for profit, some do for pleasure, some do for the thrill of it. Um, Inquisitor mentioned a, uh, a fable that was popular in, in his world. Uh, here, we often tell the tale of, of the purge, uh, a children's game where everyone pretends they can get away with anything uh, for for one hour and they see how much they can do. They are, of course, punished afterwards. Such such a lawlessness is ridiculous under the eyes of the emperor, but <laughs> you can kind of take evenings here as a form of purge state. If one is found out of doors, what befalls them is no concern of ours. Law-abiding, loyal citizens who respect the emperor's will will remain indoors and safe. Those who don't, or collateral at best. Right. All right. So sounds like just about anything goes in these streets so long as we don't topple a building, let's say, full of the Emperor's loyal subjects. Correct. Unless that would put our lives at risk. I want to be clear. We need rolls and we need sharp. They need to come with us and we need to survive. Whatever the cost of making that happen is a price we shall pay. In the name of the Emperor, you know, just a good old time. It will be done, sir. Excellent. Um, and uh, with that, um, all, all the troops nod. Like You can tell they're all like, pretty like amped up uh, to be in the presence of the Inquisition itself. Like They get sent out to do a lot of work without Inquisitors. Um, so the fact that they're actually with Inquisitors is like... Uh, pretty fucking cool. Uh, so there is just like a brief moment of of kind of um, that that joy and and kind of that feeling um, before the IED goes off uh, and <laughs> the um, vehicle is flung, um, sort of just cartwheeling uh, through the air. And uh, unfortunately, as uh, both uh, Valentine and Atticus mentioned, you know, if a building has to fall. In the name of the emperor, it will, uh, which is exactly what happens around your vehicle as it sort of crashes through um, a, a just a storefront of of kind of some place that's selling junk clothes, um, and the uh, the building collapses around the vehicle as the explosion rings in your ears. Hi, friends. It's Ryan here, your resident producer with Dum Dums and Dice, and I also voice characters that you've heard, and I GM season two, and I am here to invite you to help support us producing this show and all of our other shows through our Patreon for Dum Dums and Dice. You can go to patreon.com slash dice and support us today, and it makes a world of difference. Plus, if you join, you get exciting things. We have a fan-exclusive Discord. We do weekly tableside video chats. You get advanced access to episodes and the videos before the rest of the public do. You can submit names for places, people, and things 
things that pop up in the shows. You can create your own NPCs that interact with our parties on an ongoing basis. You can get special thank yous. Heck, if you if you want, we can even do one-shot adventures with you or start up a series with you. Just patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Please support us today. It will save us from a grim, dark future so we can keep making the show for you in a grim, dark future. Meanwhile, um, back in uh, the Emperor's Piss, because Atticus isn't here to yell at me about it. Um, <laughs> uh, <You> Morgan. <laughs> yeah, it's like the prison ghost from Dungeons and Dra- uh, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's just always there. Um, uh, Morgan, you've, uh, you've encountered a masked man uh, coming out of the back uh, of the bar. The front of the bar is being shot out. Um, Eli, you've uh, sort of... I would say, like, throwing yourself to the ground and cover. You probably more like, you know, like slid and poured yourself <laughs> off the seat uh, to cover, given how oh, yeah. uh, how wasted you are. Um, but the uh, the front windows uh, shatter and explode. Um, I think um, sharp. Even in in your kind of uh, fucked up state, you managed to get behind the bar and slam the shutters. Um, every like having bars on on the windows in a bad neighborhood, like every space down here has some form of defense against exactly this kind of shenanigan. Even if it's just a, a gunfight happening outside, um, you don't want stray bolts coming through. So they're not full shutters, um, but there are kind of slats that kind of clack down um, metallic slats um, that just deflect some of the, the incoming fire. So at least there isn't just like full-blown gunfire pouring through the windows anymore. There's just bullets pinging off the slats at, at various angles, um, just rip, ripping the place up. Um, Morgan, uh, what do you uh, what do you do? Um, you've you've gotten encountered uh, uh, this this figure. Um, you can tell he's um, uh, very slender, but like in a ropey kind of like Bruce Lee way, where it, it seems to be like there's no fat on him, but and almost no muscle because the muscle is just like tightly wound rope. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing a um, a tight fitted bodysuit with um, sort of uh, like almost like ramshackle armor plating. Uh, but you can tell it's high grade uh, okay. stuff. And uh, yeah, over his, his face, he's got a, um, uh, just a, like a, a full, um, uh, like one of the, um, uh, the assassin um, Ordos, it's not Vindicar, but like the one with the ponytail, um, where it's just like that, like pure black leather thing. One eye cut out for where normally there'd be a bionic. You actually see an organic eye underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically if you think like a full black face cowl um, with one eye uh, cut out um, and uh, yeah, a very mean looking um, bolt pistol um, that uh, has like a massive blade kind of, uh, you see these in Borderlands a lot, but if you think of it as just like almost a half a trowel um, as a a slicing edge um, under under the uh, the blade, good for pistol whipping and murder. Um, and uh, he he just kind of confronts you, and having just said like uh, last call is going to have to be later tonight, um, he uh, just kind of uh, like gestures out the window and says, uh, "Also, my apologies for whatever is occurring." to the front part of your bar. That was not our intent, but, well, no one tends to listen to our intent these much, that much these days anyway. You have my apologies. Okay, so Morgan, while this is going on, is going to check, like, see that Eli is diving behind the bar, and is it just this one guy in front of her? 
coming out of um, the back room. No, he's got a few. Like, there's people rushing past. Okay. Um, basically, if you were to venture a guess, somehow they got in through the back, and they're kind of rushing up to the front, knowing that this assault was coming. Um, so they're rushing to fortify. So it's basically he's talking to you as people like run run past uh, behind him. Okay. Okay. So she's while she's talking, she's going to brain connect with her hawk who is somewhere in the back room and figure out where they are coming from and if there's an out. So that's what she's doing. But while standing there, she's going to talk to the guy and say, oh, it is, it is very good of you to be polite. You could have given us a fair warning. Then we could have drinks ready for you and all of your people. Need less drinks, need more bullets. Do you think you can help with that? Unfortunately, we do not stock any bullets here. We are we are just simple people running a bar. Please do not make us get involved in this blood slaughter. Um, and um, I think I'm going to make him roll. Um, Morgan, how? Because you're you're wearing like your bar outfit, right? Like you're not really like equipped for for just inquisiting. looks like normal clothes yeah just some normal clothes <laughs> just you know. a normal everyday <laughs> a blouse and a vest and a belt nothing yeah. else no Certainly. no cybernetic uh <laughs> hawks nearby it's fine i was gonna uh, say can you go just a hair deeper into i'm gonna mind link with my hawk i feel like <laughs> there, there may be oh. listeners just wondering a little bit about I, the hawk mind link. yeah well i wasn't sure if if tom was going to to book book feel that or not but i could give some <laughs> if you want to do it while i'm putting together my dice pool you're most sure welcome. A, a grapple hawk is a thing in the 40k universe that is it i think it has an actual brain of a hawk but it is a big metal bird it's similar to the the hounds that we have encountered before uh mm. and usually they're used by the arbites but it's a big metal hawk <laughs> that Morgan has, uh, she has slight scarring over one eye, but it's all hidden by her hair, but she has a mind impulse unit that only communicates with this bird. And she uses it for scouting, and, and it, it has its own character sheet and everything. <laughs> but it is a big metal bird that people at the bar may have seen from time to time, maybe something to do with the name of the bar, perhaps. But it, I'm sure when people see it, they either think it's fake or it's just like... A, a sculpture it when it's not moving it just can look like nothing at all but it is a metal bird a metal hawk <laughs> you know 40k things as it, you do i was saying and it's big and can lift considerable weight right like it's not it like a little tiny hawk up. no it's I'm probably sure. it's it's like uh probably her her chest torso height kind Jesus. of hawk yeah. yeah so we're talking and, like a an elden ring like yes. blade foot oh. bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a big, big fucking robo bird. Big, a big robo bird. And because she has the mind impulse unit, she doesn't have to talk to it out loud or give it information. It gives her like an internal feed readout of what it's seeing. Oh, cool. Amazing. Uh okay, cool. Well, I rolled I rolled for him in the in the interim. Um uh and he uh he kind of like looks you up and down. Um and uh, he just kind of shakes his head sadly, and he's like, no one lives in this cesspit without some connection to the Inquisition. So I appreciate the effort, but don't try and pass yourself off as just some humble barkeep. Um, so you got two successes. Uh, he also got three threats, though. Um, mm. So, uh, Del, I'm going to give... 
I think, boost to the hawk. Okay. And um, I think for, yeah, I'll give one boost to the hawk, and I'm going to spend two to say that um, uh, they don't notice the bird. Okay. Um, they just literally, it does look like one of those just like fucking garish, weird metal statues you can buy places where they're like, I don't know, it's tourist shit. And then just a giant, weird, like welded metal bird. Um, but it's also dark. Um, and they're also kind of uh, uh, bursting in. So he's clearly suspicious, um, but he can't quite place you. because He doesn't know you personally, um, but he does kind of like uh, gesture uh, out into the main room. Um, where the the rest of the troops are are um, gathering the few remaining bar patrons um, and kind of rushing them uh, to a corner behind the bar, uh, kind of back where Eli is. Um, but yeah, he just kind of like it's it's a like please this way, but also he's got the gun on you. Okay. Um, so as you move, the the hawk will be feeding you stuff. Um, Dell, if you want to go ahead and roll for the hawk, um, this is going to be a, uh, difficulty of three because the hawk is trying to do it without being noticed, Yep. but it gets a boost for, uh, the, the threats, uh, generated by, uh, by this, this, this fella. Um, our dice pool right now is currently three and two in favor of you. Okay. And that's it for me. So I'm going to let you roll that while you're doing that. Um, what should it be stats-wise for the hawk? Oh, for the hawk. Yeah, hawk stats. Yeah. Hawk stats. <laughs> what should it be doing? <laughs> Welcome to hawk chats. That's right. Uh, for the hawk, this is going to be uh, perception and cunning. Great. Okay. I would also take streetwise and cunning. It's if it's a streetwise perception. hawk. Hawk it's, brain. It's, per- it's a perceptive hawk. Um. <laughs> That makes cool. sense. <laughs> I will take I'll take the story point just All to right. try and swing it. All right. It. So three and two in my favor. Okay. Uh, so you go ahead and roll that, and I'm going to loop back around to you once we figure out what's going on with Eli. Right. Uh, Eli, oh, um, nice. you are you are crouched uh, crouched behind the bar. Uh, the the remaining bar patrons who are there with you are being uh, kind of like hustled in. Uh, to join you. Um, the, the remaining bar patrons are, of course, uh, Killian Thring, uh, the Jack of All Trades, uh, mm-hmm. Dorbus Horbus, the quote-quote psyker, um, and uh, you've got uh, Sean Doe, a uh, famous adventurer, and, mm-hmm. of course, uh, uh, Matthias Chingus, um, who is who's literally just, like, pissing himself in terror. Uh, this is not, you know, adventures are supposed to be heroic, and, and fun, not uh, a bunch of glass being blasted inward at you um, as like las rounds and uh, slug ammo comes like slamming through the, the shutters. So you, you're basically all like crouched in. If we think about the bar, like the length of the bar, mm-hmm. it's like kind of the corner um, where, you know, like the bar ends and there's probably like a door to the bathroom or something. Yeah. You've all been wedged into that corner. Um, so you've got at least two walls of cover. Um, but these black clad, uh, folks, um, that I think you'd probably recognize as redacted, um, like troopers is the wrong term, but like redacted gang members, mm-hmm. um, are rushing in. All of them are wearing different level or not level, but they're all like equipped differently. Um, yep. you can tell that it's kind of whatever their retinue outfit was. has just been literally spray painted black. Mm. Um, so there's it, like, there's a lot of color showing through and a lot of like, 
they're just they're they're badly primed minis is what i'm really getting at like they just <laughs> like there's there's just like things showing through cuz it's literally like oh you've joined the team great stand here okay you're good enough go um but um wide range of stuff but they're all like taking up positions kind of like at the windows a bunch of them behind the bar um kind of getting ready for a breaching action which makes sense given that there's there's one door uh what would you be doing right now Eli um <laughs> so Eli would scramble uh to uh there's a little box hidden kind of beneath the bar sure um and he open it and in it is just like a set of like needles that are fully loaded Mm. um and he takes one out and injects like a load of stim right into his heart because he cannot be like totally wasted for this and he would be prepared for that. Um, what does uh, what does a, a sharp shot of stim feel like for for Eli? I mean, admittedly, um, it's an interesting case because it's not like you know a sober, clean living person taking a shot of stim, which would like make them see through space and time. It's yeah. like a man who has been through the rock tumbler of addiction <laughs> taking a shot of stim. Um, what is uh, what yeah. does that feel like for him? This is like it's very much like a he kind of has to kind of steady himself and just uh, it's like a here we go again and he just like rams it in (laughs) it's just like no looking back kind of thing um and you know how you feel when you suddenly get like an an adrenaline rush Mm. right like that just comes like out of nowhere when you get where you're shocked by something but it's like it's like that times like a hundred. It's like a freezing cold bucket of like ice water is just pulled over him. And, and I think he still has, there's a, there's a little bit of his mind is probably still a little bit clouded because he can't undo all of that, mm-hmm. but it's just like, okay, body's finally reacting real time now. And gotcha. And it sucks <laughs> because <laughs> it's just wrong. <laughs> and two forces opposing each other. But this is definitely not the first time he's done this. Yeah. Okay. Totally fair. Um, so suddenly, you know, you you roar to life uh, and everything, despite still being slightly, you know, frayed around the edges, uh, comes into sharp contrast. Um, you, I think, see and observe kind of like everything we've described. Mm-hmm. Um you're immediately familiar with with defense against a breach action. That's a very very common oh, like, yeah. drill you would know. Um, what uh, what do you do now that you've got kind of control of your senses again? Um, I so behind this box, I grab my combat shotgun. Yep. Um, and uh, do our do the our friends friends behind the bar have weapons? Um, you're talking about your patrons, or yeah. the <laughs> yes, they they all have weapons of a sort. Um, so Killian like pulls out his his gun um, as someone who's actively work looking for work. Yeah. Like he's he's not unarmed, so he's got like a shock club and a gun, and he is legitimately doing like the you know, hiding behind waist high cover or like chest high cover in a video game thing where he's just kind of pressed against it, um, looking around, like not actively trying to take a shot or anything, but just Mm -hmm. kind of easy in combat pose. A little bit like if anyone played those old arcade games of like Area 51, where there'd just be like 
FMV humans standing there with guns looking <laughs> over their shoulder. Like it's that yeah. kind of thing. He's not actively engaged, but he, at least he's he's in it. Okay. Um, Dorbus Horbus is um, panicking and like fucking with things under his sleeves. Um, as a <laughs> famed psyker, he definitely has to make sure his psychic powers are working uh, to help. <laughs> Um, but he's also desperately trying to see if there is anything he can use. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like shitty magician close magic stuff going on. God. Um, Sean Doe, famous adventurer is, um, uh, more focused on looking cool right now. So if, if Killian is actually in that pose being like, I'm kind of ready to help, even though I'm scared. Yeah. Um, Sean Doe is almost doing like the black widow pose where he's got like one hand down, um, one leg extended, extended. Knee up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got a very his his gun looks beautiful. Like it, it's like exquisitely crafted. Um, you know, like he's got you know the pearl inlaid grip. Um, it's got filigree along the whole thing. If this was like Red Dead Redemption Two, he'd spend a lot of money on this gun to make it look fancy. But Eli, in your experience, the fancier looking the weapon, the more useless it is. Oh, so totally. this is definitely a showpiece. Um, but he's ready. Um, you know, he's got his, his head up and is is just waiting in Black Widow pose. Um, and uh, Mateus Chingus is is like just terrified. He's muttering like prayers to the Emperor, um, yeah. and and none of them really make sense. Um, they're just like it, it's a lot of. Like, oh dear Emperor, oh listen, look, if you're up there, um, it'd be really great if um well I mean yeah, not up there, up there, like I know you're if you're just if your psychic waves are picking this up, like if you just send us a little bit of like extra um and Killian's just like, but buddy, buddy, you gotta shut up. You gotta shut up right now, buddy, buddy, you really gotta shut up. Mm -hmm. Um and uh he's uh Mateus is just like clutching like his he's he's got like a like a single action like bolt rifle basically okay. um that was presumably like once used for hunting small game mm -hmm. um and so he's just got that and is trembling and as i mentioned he'd like painted it to look like a las uh las rifle <laughs> um but it is not um yeah, as yeah, evidenced yeah. by him like desperately trying to figure out how to manually <laughs> load it yeah, yeah, yeah um meanwhile the um the the gang members Mm -hmm. um, have a, a variety of weapons. Uh, there's a there's a few bruisers who are up by the doors, and then the ones who are at the bar are like sort of have guns up and up and over. And so, so it's they have taken cover in the bar. Is that yeah. that's what I'm understanding, right? Yes. So basically, there is a force outside, which yeah. you can assume to be the loyalists um, firing inward. Okay, but the redacted they haven't taken like action against anyone in the bar. No, no, no. They okay. Okay, um, all all they did they did take a, a bit of action when they came in, which was just yep. to to like clear you all out of the way. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, from the way you watched that happen, that didn't seem like a stay here, you'll be safe, but more of like a get the fuck out of our way because we don't trust that you're going to be useful or helpful here. Like, please get behind the bar. At the very least, we need a clear line of fire. Mm -hmm. Basically, I don't want my bullet to hit you instead of the person I'm trying to shoot. <laughs> I don't care if the bullet yeah, hits yeah, you. Yeah. I need it to hit the guy behind you, though. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think Eli... Like, this is just... This is so fucked up. And, like, he's not going to die over stupid gang crap. And, and he, he, like whatever he has this bar but like if it were to blow up a great like <laughs> okay um and so and so he's like 
I think he thinks to himself, there's got to be other fucking opportunity somewhere here. Uh, and so he, um, <laughs> he yells, uh, so Dorbus, Sean, Mateus, you three. Uh, it's like, when I say now, you run the op, like, like away from where we are, like basically out of cover and just like, and, and you just like run for, run for whatever exit you can find. I don't care. Front, the back, just, if you, you got a gun there, just like fire at the windows. All right. Uh, 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 pardon me. Uh, Trust uh, me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Dorbus does have a question, though. If the front door is full of weapons and the back door is full of these guys, is that not a little bit dangerous for Dorbus Horbus? As a psyker, it is very important to the Emperor that I survive and am able to continue to, uh, you know, receive his psychic messages. No, it's important for you to do exactly what I say as a member of the Inquisition. Uh, and immediately, like a guy with a the sh like a shotgun pointed at the door, looks to you and says, "Inquisition, huh?" Uh, and he turns and levels the shotgun at your face. Morgan, uh, you are. Um, Getting a report from uh, from your Robo Hawk, I gotta ask: Does the hawk have a name? Yes, the Mike hawk has a name. Ah, <laughs> no. That's no. Dum Dums and Dragons. No. We already yeah, met that yeah. guy. No. <laughs> no. Also in the future, though, so similar but different. The hawk's name is Toby. Toby, right. my Animorphs reference. <laughs> Toby Hawk. Yep. Uh, that's amazing on all accounts. We got Animorphs, we got famed skateboarder. It's like, it's a cross-section of oh. many things. Honestly, it's just a cross-section of my high school experience. Reading Animorphs <laughs> and playing for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, I love it. All right, so go ahead and roll for, for Toby to see what, what, uh, what the Hawk can see. I rolled for Toby. Toby got one success, one triumph. Wow, wow, wow. Toby Wow. <laughs> Wow, I mean, it seems like hawks have good eyes. There should probably be some some kind of term for that, some kind uh, of hawk-eyed term, um, but that would yeah. never happen. Bird vision. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, good, bird vision. Um, using his patented bird vision, uh, which also, incidentally, is a weird Marvel mashup of Hawkeye and Vision just hanging out. Uh, yeah. Oh, but, my um, God. Uh, so Toby is able to ascertain that basically um, – the redacted seem to have uh, like essentially cut, like they're coming up through one of the loading bays, which is odd because like, you know where that thing goes and mm -hmm. there's like, it, it, it literally leads to like a manhole cover, like outside. Um, but from what with your triumph, uh, given how good that is like a quick analysis of the amount of dirt and dust coming through, it would seem that they basically like, carved their way into it from something else. So like mm. if this thing, if the um, delivery shaft had like a, like a little bit of a tunnel to kind of bring stuff through, they probably punched through the sidewall of that to make it in. They didn't come in from street level, which makes sense. Cause that thing is like battened down. Like you, they wouldn't, it'd be very difficult for them to get through that. Mm -hmm. um, so this information gives you two major things. Cause you triumphed and that deserves, you know, 
Toby just did real good. He's real Thanks, good. Toby. He's very good. Very good hawk. Uh, Robo hawk. Um, so if they bore into this from a different tunnel, it means that wherever they come came from is one possible exit. But it also means that you can likely get back out through the delivery hatch, uh, which you can open from your side. But if they didn't destroy that to get in, there's a good chance that that's a, a possible way out. Um, the problem, of course, being that like if they're spilling in from there, you're not sure how many are back there. You're not sure if anyone's guarding the tunnel, but it definitely gives you a way out. Right, right. Okay. So I think that's going to be... But that's... We have to get past armed guys to get to there. So... Um, uh, the, the the guy in the, the cowl null has brought you into the into the main bar space um, mm-hmm. and he kind of shoves you down over to well actually no I think we're gonna have to split this up because Eli's action happening at the same time he's bringing you out kind of at gunpoint um mm-hmm. there are a couple of guys who stay behind uh, that Toby picks up um you would assume there might be some more in the tunnel but it seems like most of them have spilled into the bar now right um, but they also need to protect their escape route so there's like two guys guarding there um, and uh, Null is kind of walking you out into the, the main area. The shutters are down, so bullets are kind of pinging off things. And I think rather than pushing you in with the rest of uh, the people, he kind of shoves you to the other, like, basically the other corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kind of with a gun on you, he makes sure everyone is okay in here, and then he, he kind of turns to you also at gunpoint um, and uh, just says, uh, it's a shame you don't have more bullets for us. That would be very helpful. This is going to go very badly for either them or for us. If you get in our way, it will go badly for you. If you don't, there's a chance that you survive this. That okay? Morgan's going to put her hands up. She's just, of course, all I want to do is survive. My life is so very important to me. So please, whatever you need to do. She wants to wait till he's the fuck away from her. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, so, uh, kind of like he, you know, his one eye narrows, um, uh, but then you hear like, um, like breach charges, uh, go off, um, and, uh, in sort of an immediate like blast of light, um, the front door is blown off its hinges, uh, and thrown inward, um, and, uh, immediately two, um, flash grenades kind of roll in after it. And there's a moment, um, where, you know, there's, there's dust, there's smoke in the air, Soldiers are ready. There's a shotgun in Eli's face, a pistol in yours. Um, Toby in the back, keeping an eye on things. Where time seems to almost slow down, just with the amount of chaos and havoc uh, that's going off as these two small cylindrical things roll through the door. Uh, and then they burst with the the bright fury uh, that, that some would say is, is the, the, the gleaming of the Emperor's light itself uh, as the room is, is just immediately cascaded in a blast of bright light and loud noise uh, at which point the loyalists rush through the gap and open fire this episode of the valentine heresy features ryan laplante at the ryan laplante on twitter as inquisitor lucius valentine tyler hewitt at tyler underscore hewitt on twitter as atticus viz laura hamstra at el hamstring on twitter as eli sharp del borovic at del tastic on twitter as morgan rawls and our Game Master, Tom McGee, at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. 
When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merch dice available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn 1138, Alorraine Okapi, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The first thing you need to know about the Vegas Sci-Fi Adventure podcast is that you're not just listening to someone tell you a story. You are stepping into a world. And Vega Rex, the woman at the center of this saga, is currently sitting at the top of it. This is not by accident. For millennia, the country Vega calls home has been carefully honing the skills of its state-contracted killers, and these so-called holy warriors have gotten real good at taking down the world's worst criminals, or, as they would call it, cleansing. 400 kills into her career, Vega is the most decorated hunter there has ever been, and likely would have stayed that way if it had not been for him. An explosive encounter with the terrorist sets Vega on a path of revenge that is so thoroughly illegal that before this story is done, she will have risked it all, life, limb, and love, to satisfy her vengeance and keep her record of righteous kills perfect. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and I have so much more to tell you about this. Check out Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, anywhere you listen to them. Because, baby, I'm just getting started.